0: I want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter two, verse forty-three. Acts uh, two forty-three. And if I'm right, I should be right on time because I, I timed myself this morning and I was at twenty-eight minutes, so we're fine, Sonia. Everything's just fine. Acts uh, chapter two, verse forty-three. The nice part about being a pastor is I get the last say. So no matter what Eric says or anybody else, I get to say, wrap it all up. Acts um, 2, 43. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They were being selling their property, their possessions, and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were all taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to those, adding to their number, by day by day, those who were being saved. For years there's been an idea that what we need to do, the f- the 21st century church has to get back to what the first century church did, because after all, they were close to Jesus, closer to Jesus. He's just a few years uh, having been resurrected uh, when this passage was written. And uh, they had the apostles. And so naturally we should get back to the first century church. That all sounds very good until you read some of the epistles written by Paul and some of the things he said to the church. And uh, you read the book of Acts, or you study what Jesus said to the seven churches in Asia uh, in the book of Revelations, and you realize that (laughs) they have just as many problems as we did, and probably very, very similar problems. And so the idea is not to pattern our life after what we know of the first century church, but to look to the scriptures. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching for proof or correction. So it's the New Testament scriptures where we get instruction on how to do church. Now this morning we find ourselves kind of in between our series. We just finished uh, a series in the book of Jeremiah in our Old Testament and we'll be going to the New Testament. Next we'll be looking at the epistles of Peter, both 1st and 2nd Peter. But I thought I might take this Sunday to have what I call a family talk. (laughs) Do you ever remember having a family talk with your, you know, you and your kids? When do you have a family talk? Well, usually when there needs to be something said to the family. And so I wanted to use this time to speak to you, my family, my Christian family. And I wanted to use this passage Because it kind of fits right in with what I think our church is going through. Now, our church has been a blessing. We have been greatly blessed. And we have been a blessing to many people over the years. Um, But we need not be kind of afraid of changes as the Spirit leads. And we need to be also responsible to the stewardships that God has given us. That we might continue to be. A blessing to many people. So with that kind of insight or that uh, outlook, I wanted to speak to you about um, four things that we see in this passage that relate kind of to where we are. First is found in verse 43. Everybody kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And what I see here is there was a sense of the presence of Jesus in their midst. There was a sense of the presence of Jesus in their midst. Something special was happening, very, very special. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that everybody kept feeling a sense of awe. Wow, this is wonderful. And it was the presence of Jesus. It was the power of the Spirit moving through, look what it says, through the apostles. Now, everybody knew it wasn't the apostles. They weren't doing it. It was who? Who? It was Jesus. It was Jesus working through the... And there are many signs and wonderful things happening. Zacharias 4, six says, Not by might, nor by power, but what? By my spirit. So all the wonderful the signs and things that were happening were evidence of Jesus being in their midst and working in their church. This, however, has oftentimes where... This particular issue is oftentimes where the church kind of sometimes gets off track. And what I mean by that, we sometimes think that we can make uh, signs and wonders take place. But I believe if we look at the scriptures, it seems to say, according to verse 42, as they did followed the apostles' teaching, had fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, that's what... The church did, and therefore, when they were responsible in those areas, as listed in verse 42, God did what he did in verse 43. That's very important to see, that in his time and in his way, he was doing signs and wonders, and there was a sense of awe in his presence in the church. We do verse 42, he does verse 43. Now, we have to understand that Calvary Chapel is not what we call a charismatic or Pentecostal church. Now, it did have that particular flavor early on, many years ago during the Jesus movement. It was had a very charismatic Pentecostal flavor to it. But it was—it has not turned out to be that way. Now, um, in the 1980s, Pastor Chuck decided that the ministry of Calvary Chapel would be the study of God's Word and the primary fruit of the Spirit working in our lives was love, not necessarily the subjective, charismatic response to the truths of the Scriptures. Now, um, and therefore, we had this what we call the Calvary Vineyard separation or split where Pastor Chuck said, well, we just don't sense that we're going to focus on the responses, uh, subjective responses to the spirit of God, and the truth of God. And so you brothers maybe should kind of take a different direction. And it was there was no problems. There was no animosity between the brothers. It was just Pastor Chuck said, this is the way we're going to go if you guys Feel that that's the spirit is leading you that way. That's fine. That's not Calvary Chapel, and so I don't think you could call our church or many of the Calvary Chapels charismatic or Pentecostal churches. Um, therefore, when we're uh, when we meet together, when we meet together, some of the experiences that you would see in a charismatic church would be kind of out of step with that which we find. At a Calvary Chapel. Now, kind of well. What do I mean? What is? How do I mean that? Well, give you an example. Many, many years ago, when we were in the high school, many years ago, there was a lady who would attend our church when she was visiting her father, who lived, who came here, and she was, uh, she lived up in Anaheim, and at that time, um, she would visit her dad, and she would come to church with her dad, and she was a Christian, but she was attending. A Chinese church up in Anaheim It was an ethnic Chinese church, but it was a charismatic Pentecostal church. And so when she came to our church, she liked to sit up front because her dad was hard of hearing with her dad. And she would like to um, when the worship started, she would pick up her skirt just slightly and begin to dance. And I couldn't understand what she was doing, but that's the way the Chinese ladies, they were very. Genteel, they would just slightly pick up their long skirts and she would begin to dance during the worship time. And I had to tell her, I said, now, honey, you have the right and the freedom to do that. However, you are taking attention away from Jesus and everybody's looking at you doing your little dance up in the front. And I said, so you have a perfect right to express yourself that way because that was a Pentecostal church. But I said, this is not a Pentecostal church and nobody else is dancing. And so if you would like to express yourself, you need to sit towards the back of the church. I wasn't throwing her to the back of the bus or anything. But in that way, you you wouldn't be a distraction and people wouldn't be looking at you, but keep their focus on Jesus which is the primary reason we come here. We don't come to watch somebody do something like that. And so uh, that's how uh, we handled that. Why? Because I want the focus to be on Jesus, not on someone uh, doing something. Now, two years ago, I went back to New Jersey during my uh, high school reunion. It was my 50th high school reunion. Yes, that's true, 50 years and we visited my cousin's church. Now, he was a fine Christian man, a lovely Christian man, but he had told me, now, Neil, when you visit our church, it's a very charismatic church. And I'm, uh, I'm fine with that. It, that that's, I wasn't stumbled. And so as the music began, everybody was standing, and there was a wonderful worship, and just singing. I looked over to my left, and there was four or five people that had come out of the congregation, and they were standing, and they were going into a very rhythmic dance, <laughs> It wasn't corrugated. Each one was doing uh, something, and they seemed to be enjoying themselves. I said, well, isn't that interesting? And Nancy was looking at it, and I said, well, okay. He had told us it's a charismatic church. And then I understood why they were doing what they were doing when I watched the pastor, out of my right eye, begin to dance across the podium. I said, oh, okay, there's the reason. The standard, the standard is set by the leadership of the church. Of what is an expression, uh, a good expression of uh, their worship in their particular setting. Now, the reason it wasn't distracting for anybody to watch them because everybody was dancing, even the pastor. <laughs> and I, there's no, but that's that's not where I worship, okay? And so here, here's the point. I'm gonna. How do you know what's appropriate in a particular service? It's determined by the pastor and the leadership of the church. Because this is not a Pentecostal or charismatic church. And that's okay. That's okay. I hope that's okay with you. Because our focus shouldn't be on someone doing something to call attention to themselves, but rather our focus should be on Jesus Christ. And he is the center. So, first thing we see, verse 43, there was a sense of the presence of Jesus, and their focus was on Jesus. The second thing there was that we see in this chapter, in verses 44 and 45, there was a real spirit of generosity. There was a real spirit of generosity. What do I mean? Well, some people say, "Well, see, uh, it looks like uh, communism is the way to go. Everybody was sharing all that they had with everybody that was in need that 's not true not it 's not saying that communism is right what it 's saying is that there were some people, matter of fact, in verse forty one says three thousand people got saved on the day of Pentecost. They decided to stay in Jerusalem. they wanted to grow in faith they wanted to experience all that the apostles had. So they decided, well, we're from all these different places that they had mentioned, but we're going to stay in Jerusalem. And while they were staying in Jerusalem, there was a need. What was the need? Well, they needed food. They needed a place to stay. They needed a lot of things that were just 3,000 people kind of hanging around for a couple of months. And so what the church did, those who had had, uh, had substance, what they did is, was they just gave money to meet this particular needs. So there was a real spirit of generosity in the church. Now, perhaps you're wondering why your bulletin is looking so funny. The reason your bulletin is looking funny because I was going to speak on that and I put in your bulletin the quarterly financial report for the church. January, February, and March of this year. Now, we are going to do this every uh, three months, four times a year. We'll just let you know what's come in and how was it spent now it's not a very detailed report but it gives you a good idea of where we were so if you look in the top half income for the church was approximately $305,000 now the budget and we do have a very tight budget the budget was set at $319,000 so the giving was $14,000 approximately $14,000 shorter than what we had budgeted for Okay, and then you can look at the rest then the second half at the bottom of the page is our expenses. Their expenses were $320,000 and our budget for that particular time, the spending budget, was three hundred twelve. And so as you can see, we were uh, $15,000, over $15,000 in the negative for the first quarter of the year. And uh, then you can see the spending and, uh, and how it was. Now... I put that in your bulletin just to give you an idea because I want to be perfectly frank how we, how much money comes in and how it's spent. We, we have nothing to hide. And if you wanted to, we could even give, have uh, Pastor Todd give you a much more detailed uh, sheet. Um, but I, there's a couple of things that I need to point out that have brought us to this particular place where we're approximately running... Approximately $5,000 to the negative for, the, for each of the first three months of the year. The first thing is, uh, there's been a noticeable downturn in the giving since 2008, August of 2008, which was kind of the final collapse, perhaps the most difficult time in our country financially since the Great Depression. And so giving is down. If you're a tithing family, 10% of nothing is <laughs> nothing. And so uh, people have... Uh, People are working less, they're giving, they've had their hours cut, they've had their wages cut, some have lost, many people have lost their job, and so giving is down, and that's just to be expected. However, the second thing that comes into uh, line with this is that um, about a year and a half ago, we had an opportunity to refinance our mortgage. Now, you have to understand, most commercial mortgages are uh, the way they're set, they're amortized for 30 years, but every five years you have to redo the loan, okay? So every five years we would had to redo our loan. And it was coming up that we had to redo our loan on the mortgage on the building. And what happened was we knew it was with Bank of the West, and Bank of the West was going to charge us approximately $20,000 or more in fees for redoing our loan. Even though they were, we had our loan with them, they were still going to charge us approximately $5,000, $20,000. Plus, the interest rate would go up. However, one of our very diligent board members came up with a, a foundation. And this Christian foundation would redo our loan for a very low interest rate. I think it was near 4%, which is a very, very good rate, a very good rate for a commercial loan. And here's the deal there would be no fees. Not one fee would be added to the loan. So we decided, trying to be good stewards, to redo the loan with him, and we did the loan with him. However, the one small part that's a little bit difficult, it's not amortized over 30 years, it's just a 10-year loan, straight. 10 years long. So in 10 years, the loan would be paid off. Now, that what that did is that added... Uh, $4,000 to our mortgage payment. Previously, our mortgage payment had been 10000 Now it's 14000 Now, if you think about it, guys, if we rented this building for a dollar square foot, and you wouldn't get this building for a dollar square foot, if we were renting this building, that means the rent on this building would be $22,000. This is a $22,000 square foot building. So we're still getting a pretty good deal, but our mortgage pay- payment is up at $14,000. So we had the kind of financial collapse in 2008 and I think we did the right thing and we redid the loan which is costing us $4,000 more a month in the meantime uh, the church hasn't grown substantially during that time and so we're kind of in a place where we're running at $15,000 in the whole now you have to understand what's happening also here because we redid the loan On a regular basis, every month, we're paying off this loan at a rate of $9,400 a month. Every month, the loan goes down. about That's over $110,000 a year off the loan every month. So we have that particular issue. So between uh, those three issues, we find ourselves in a place where um, we are at... uh, $15,000 uh, $15,000 to the negative for the first quarter. Now, I want you to notice also we have this uh, script card program. Now, the script card is an interesting, interesting program. It's a program whereby, if, say, if you were to buy your ARCO card with us, you buy the ARCO card for $100 or $50 or whatever it is. And you go to Arco, you get $100 worth of gas, although that seems to be shrinking lately, how much gas you get. But you get the full value of the card. The Arco people, however, kick back to us about 2% of that card. It's just a way of giving. Now, what happens is, say um, you spend $300 a month on gas between you and your wife. That's $300. We get 2% of that, which is, what, $6? Now, if you take that $6 and multiply it by 100 families, that's $600 a month. This is added to the youth fund, because all the money that goes to the script cards goes to help send kids to camp on the summer and and the winter. And so if you multiply that times what you use in gas, where you buy your groceries, and where you use other cards for different purposes like Home Depot. You can see that's quite adding up without any additional um, expense on your part. It's just a way that we have decided to um, help the youth and help some of our kids. Because a lot of the kids, their parents, uh, some of the parents aren't saved, and some of the parents don't have the money to send their kid to summer camp or winter camp. It's a good way of us defraying some of our costs. Now, I point all those things out just to say, Couple of things. One, the, the, uh, the leadership of this church ha- is determined to be good stewards to, with this building and with the funds that God has given us. And I would urge you also to be good stewards of the funds that God has given you. Now, the Bible says that if we bring the whole tithe in to the church, that He will open the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing. Now, if you had looked in your bulletin, in that little uh, thing that I just put, put, put away in my Bible, it says that our missions giving for the first quarter was $37,000. Now, if you take that percentage, that's about just a little over 12%. 12% of our gross income went to foreign missions and to home missions here in the United States. We are more than tithing to uh, missions, and the reason I believe one of the primary reasons God has blessed this little church in all of our struggles and all that we have is because this is a giving church. this is a giving church, and as we have given, so too has God and so just to keep that in mind, okay, so there was two there was two things going on in the early church: there was a sense of the presence of Jesus in their midst. There was a real spirit of generosity, and there was a deep commitment to one another. There was a deep commitment to one another. Look at verse 46. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They met in large groups in the temple and then small groups in the home there were no church buildings. There were no church buildings. In the first three centuries, there were no church buildings. Now, uh, after um, Christianity became legalized, many of the pagan temples were turned into churches, but in the first three and a half centuries, there were no church buildings. And after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the church consisted of house churches. House churches. Now, Pastor Rob and the Dingwalls have have illustrated what we're talking about and as we have gone over the last year we've thought and prayed about what's happening with our church now our church is a very friendly church we have a lot of visitors but what we've seen is a lot of people come in and stay for a few months and then they leave and we're trying to figure out okay what's going on now church growth t- people tell us that if you have a reasonably good facility, which we do. If you have a really good uh, program for the younger children, the grade school children, which we do, we have a great program. If you have a good youth program, if you have a good youth program, which we do, we have a neat group of youth, which we do. If we have good worship, which we really do, we have wonderful worship. And if the preaching is okay, and, and that. It's okay that most people, when they visit the church, will stay, now here's the caveat, if they get connected and make friends. If they get connected and make friends. And that's, I think, where we're kind of falling short. That's, I think, what's the issue. So that's why we're thinking of moving over towards these life groups that's what we're trying to think about we think that's where our church is where we're kind of holding on to those folks who would really like to stay but they never get connected they never make those close friendships that they need so we'll be thinking and praying we're working Pastor Rob is working as fast as he can putting this program together we're hoping to implement it in September now that means that there will be changes Let me say that again. There'll be some changes, some things that we're doing we won't be doing then, and we'll be doing new things. Now, what does that mean? Well, it'll help new folks get connected. It'll help new folks get connected, make some friendships. It will provide a place for real care and support. Now, we saw that little video with those people having difficulties. There needs to be a place where folks kind of know, get to know you, and are able to meet some of the needs, as opposed to just nobody knowing what's going on. It'll help us move towards a model that we see here in the New Testament, and it will provide a supportive fellowship around the study of the Bible. These are not going to be warm and fuzzy groups. The goal will be fellowship, but also it will be built around The study of the Bible and what was taught the previous Sunday at church. So what we see here, there's a sense of presence of Jesus in their midst. He was doing the work. There was a real spirit of generosity. There was a deep commitment to one another. And as a result, verse 47, there was an addition to their numbers. Notice what it says. Praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. A church that's built around verse 42, with the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And as a result, there was a sense of presence of Jesus in their midst. There was a real spirit of generosity. There was a deep commitment to one another. The Lord was causing the church to grow. Why is that Because it's in that kind of church that nurture and discipleship and care is given to those who attend the church and to those who are drawn to the church. Now, the whole question then would happen to be, is that the kind of church we want it to be? Well, I'm telling you, that's the kind of church that I want our church to be. I want it to be a warm supportive fellowship where something really is happening, something spiritual is really happening and I think this is direction that we need to take. I want to thank you for your attention I want to thank you for your attention and a little bit a different message this morning, but it's kind of a family talk and uh, we'll be uh, we're not kind of trying to sell, this is, I'm not selling a program, okay guys, I'm really not. What I'm trying to do is just express kind of where this, the heart of the pastor is and, and the direction of where we're going. And I pray that as we make some of these changes and as you respond to your responsibilities, as the board and the leadership of this church is responding to our responsibilities, we'll see the church grow and prosper. That's my prayer. I pray you stand with me in that. Let's pray. Father, we uh, love you and we're so grateful for this little church that you've given us. May the heart of this church go out to minister to those people that come our way. May be with you that kind of supportive fellowship continuing in our heart for foreign missions, continuing in our heart for home missions around the globe. May um, who we are And what we are, minister to each person here, with us always making the focus, not on a person, not on a program, but on Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen.